so pretty clean. Yeah, bands and bands of full energy. One bed right here, cause they're my enemies. Drive and like, rate and review. Your own subs and AB, couple guests too. We got them with a trophy, went overdue. Now we do the double, make it deja vu. It's a move, London thing. Girl, but it's only on the wing. Harry's one of our own island in. It's only got one E, but let's see the king. And we got Delhi Ali that's talking. Where the shells side, where the shells side, where the shells side, what we sing. Where the shells side, where the shells side, now it's a new London thing. Hello and welcome to the Shelfside Podcast, episode twenty-two. Kwapna, how are you doing? You know, I'm I'm alright. I'm I'm tired right now, but when I think about the fact that we pulled off an unlikely um, cup victory against the scummy side who have spent almost two hundred mil, feel quite good. And it's going to be more. They're going to spend more. But let's let's we'll come on to that in a bit. Um, let's thank our listeners for listening. Each and every week, thank you, um, all our regulars. Thank you to the new listeners. Hopefully you will like and stay and subscribe and all of that good stuff that Kwabna will tell you to do at the end. And for those that dip in and out, why don't you just stay a while? Stay, stay, stay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, episode 22. Last week was a riot and, and the week before was a riot. Some talk of nudity and other stuff. So we're going to get away from all of that and we're just going to take it back to the norm. I feel like yeah, you take responsibility for that, though. I, I, don't, I don't want you to present that like a joint. That was a joint thing. That was you with the madness. That was you. So is there only one person on this pod? I'm just saying you are instigating the madness. <laughs> yes or no? Yes or no? But two seconds ago, two seconds ago, hold on, hold on. Two I seconds like, ago, he's like, like he there's no need for that. I've got your back. I've got your back. I've got, got your back. And about. now, <laughs> don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just, tell, I'm just telling the people the truth. That's it. You're telling the people what you think they want to hear. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear uh, unity. They want to hear unity is love. They want to hear facts, mate. But yes, we are. We are. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I can never say that we're too far away from any of that madness because you're still on the pod, so it could happen at any time. <laughs> but we have had a week of triumph, a week of travesty, um, and a week of twilight. Toilet breaks and slide <laughs> transfer activity. So, um, yeah, let's kick off. Um, since since we last spoke, we played Newcastle. Um, and in playing Newcastle, we drew 1-1. A game in which we dominated significantly. Created many chances. Um, 20, 23 shots on goal. Um, dominate wow. possession. XG in the, in the first half was over two. It dropped massively in the second half to like 0.6. But ultimately, we dominated the game. And then in the 95th minute, due to a controversial call, they were awarded the penalty, which Callum Wilson, who I'm now certain is a dickhead, um, tucked away <laughs> nicely. Tucked away nicely. Um, and they got out with a 1-1. We, we played really well with the ball. Um, Newcastle didn't want the ball at all, so we were forced to use it. I wouldn't say it was a, the game plan to go out there and dominate possession, but we did. We created a lot of chances, hit the woodwork twice. Suddenly looked sharp until going off injured. Too sharp. Um, yeah. Um, Nombele looked good. Um, Kane looked good. 
I mean, Mora should have had the beating of Richie. Like, he should have had him on toast. He didn't. Ended up scoring, though. So, you know, we'll take that. Um, but, yeah, the handball was a hard one to take, man. I can't lie to you because, yes, it's in line with um, it's in line with the new rules. But if you look at the free kick that led to the, to the, to the handball in the first place, the offside that they looked into, all that kind of stuff, it just made it a bit dubious for me. I want to kind of, I don't want to spend too much time on it because we have had every mum, dad, auntie, uncle, Tom, Dick and Harry talk about it. But I want to kind of get your angle on how you feel about that handball. Can I just say, I'm always going to jump in with something else beforehand. That's just my style. But the commentator's curse. You just knew Callum Wilson was going to score against us because they always speak about the record and the record was he has never scored against one of the traditional top six since he'd been in the Premier League, and of course, he then converts the penalty. So that was always going to happen. Commentator's curse against us. Typical Spurs. The um, penalty incident, I mean, you touched on it. Firstly, Joe Linton spears Hoybier, so it's never a free kick. The offside, I'm not too mad about because Andy Carroll was an offside. But what I'm mad about is the little push that um, exactly sells gives... Dyer, which actually puts him off balance, which actually makes him his arms fairly in the air. And I, I disagree with all of the people saying that, according to the new law, that it should have been a penalty. Because there is a line in is a line. the law that states the player has to be able to see the ball for it to be deliberate handball. So Dyer's back is turned, as we know. He doesn't see the ball. So it's a yard away. He doesn't see the ball. He's been pushed. It was never a free kick. And this is where I think referees, PMO, hide behind the letter of the law, especially when they get it wrong. So that's all I'm going to say on that specific incident. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with that completely. completely. But there's one thing I want to point out on the back of that is that I don't know if you saw it on Match of the Day 2, but they stated that these, this is a FIFA ruling, okay? It's not the FA, it's a FIFA and the UEFA directive that they want to see more goals, more excitement, more penalties given. And the stat they showed us was um, in 2019-20 season that handball penalties given in the Premier League for something like 17, whereas in Serie A, it was 48 or something high like that. But in um, La Liga, it was 50-something. So they were saying, we are not in line with the initiative, the directive, and this is why this season more penalties for handball will be given. Yeah, we're, we're significantly behind. I think um, I think Serie was in... Um, I think the, the figure was 58 for um, Serie A, 49 for um, La Liga. We were 19. Okay. So it's... Yeah, it's nobody likes to show off. I just like I understand the I understand the frustrations, um, and I think that, like you said, if they're going to bring this in line from like FIFA, like obviously they made this they made this transition. They started off saying it was like Champions League rules and then Europe rules, whatever, and it just changed progressively. I just want it to be a reflective of a real game of football and some of the things that have been called the way they've been called are just unacceptable and that's something looking to change but I mean for now I guess it is going to be like that and there's not much we can do about it but it just hurts 
that they're even now they're considering perhaps changing the ruling, obviously in the wake of what's happened. But that's the thing, it's like we seem to be on the losing end of these changes. It's like when they changed the ruling for um for the Carlin Cup and away goals when we oh, went yeah. out to Chelsea. Chelsea. It's like stuff like that happens and it's just like oh. like why? But um yeah, you know, no one's got it anymore. Like I think it was Ultimately, the game should have been finished. Like we should just put the game away. We should have put it to bed, um, and that's where that's where I'm most frustrated. I'm angry about the handball, of course, but when I think about how we should have put that game away, put that bed a lot sooner, it is should have been five one. Is what you're basically saying. And yeah, and the fact that it wasn't no exactly, and the fact that it wasn't is really frustrating. Especially when you go and yeah. see other other teams like the way Leicester took care of their chances against um, against Man City. It's just like. Why? Why were we not clinical? But um, well, it's yeah. funny. It's funny you touched on Leicester because Vardy was very clinical, very sharp, and the argument was that Kane did have quite a few chances, and and maybe one was guilt edged, maybe one and a half, and some were half chances. But a player of Kane's ability, I expect him to finish at least two or three of those. Um, he wasn't the only one, but it's interesting because he started the season fantastically as um, the assist king. He has five assists in um, what would that be? Two Premier League, three Premier League games. Now I think he's two away from his highest total of seven in the Premier League already. Um, and with the absence of No Delhi in that second striker stroke ten row, and obviously Christian Eriksen disappearing, um, is Kane transitioning into a somewhat ten? Maybe Teddy Sheringham S10 as opposed to Christian Eriksen S10, but a 10 nonetheless role is the question I have for you. I think that we are in a situation where he's doing what is necessary. We don't have a creator at this dance. We don't. Um, we don't have... We don't have a natural creator who is going to pull the strings and play in those other guys. We don't have that. And so I think... Kane is doing what we need when we need it. And I think the fact that Son is amongst the goals currently, he's in good form. He sees that and he's like, well, let me take some time to pull in deep and take advantage of that space behind. Every season we see Kane exhibit the capabilities of someone who could play 10. And then we have a conversation as to whether he can do that long term. And eventually he reverts to type and finishes the finishes the season by playing up front. And that's fine. Like it's it's great for us. I think he's just doing it at the moment. And I think as the Celso and the Malay become mainstays in the team, we will see him revert to strictly focusing on, on scoring goals. He has the capability to do it. Um, again in the in the teams that Terry Stone and Flourish, we didn't have like a classic number ten in those teams. We had good wingers who were creating, but we didn't have a great number 10. So it could be the same thing. And once once we do have that kind of flourish, then then I think he'll go back to being a striker. And it'll be cool. I think predominantly he will be a striker. However, I do see shades of Firmino um, in the cane, given the fact if we have our dream lineup that everyone seems to be going mad for obviously Bell and Son on either flanks there are times in the counter-attack or in the build-up those two are both going to be running beyond Kane 
right? Mm. Bergwijn, um, Bergwijn and Lucas don't often try and run behind. Um, Sonny obviously does, but I can see scenarios where both Bale and Son will be running ahead, and they've both got more legs than Kane. So Kane will naturally be behind those two and playing those in. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. So, yeah, it, I, I liken it to Firmino because obviously that's a 4 3 3, and I always seem to defer to Liverpool when describing tactics of a 4 3 3 because they execute it so well. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that would be Kane's transition. But equally, we will be having flying fullbacks in Doherty and Regulon, and that would lead to crosses, and Kane thrives off crosses. He looks really so, good. He looks really good, Regulon. He looks really good second half against Chelsea. What do you want to do with that now? Big, exciting prospects. Um, no, no, let's hold off. Let's hold off. Let's hold off. You keep on dropping little nuggets. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm peeking behind the curtain. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's the kind of um, that's kind of where we are with um, with Kane. One thing I would do when asked, like, while we're talking about lineups, is um, Eric Dyer. Sorry, Krabner, are you wearing a Baywatch t-shirt? Yeah, I am, yeah. What's that all about? You Hasselhoff? Um, you know what? <laughs> about, like, like, last year, we had like a company like 90s party and my team okay. went as Baywatch. So I've got like the shorts, I've got like the inflatable, like what's it called? Like the floaty thing. That dingy, floaty. the dingy, yeah. Yeah, that thing. Like, ditto, yeah, ditto. Yeah, I've got the whole thing, bruv. I've got the whole the whole bank. Well, my brother had a fancy dress for one of his birthdays, Lero. So um, I and my missus, we both went as um, Baywatch as well. So I've got the jacket. I didn't get the t-shirt. Oh, you got the jacket? jacket and short. Yeah, Let's take yeah. it up a level, man. Relax. Just saying, just know. Oh, Great minds think alike. Anyway, you, you're talking about mate. your mate. What up, Bishop? Anyway, yeah, so what I was talking about, what I was talking about, like, squad changes and stuff, I think it's really important to talk about Eric Dyer. I'm not the biggest Eric Dyer fan. Love, saying, no, love what he brings, loves what he brings to the table as a player um, in terms of his mentality, his behaviour, his leadership. I just don't think he's good enough in terms of his technique, the way he reads the game, his judgement. I just think he's, I think he's, He's good enough. But he had put in a very good performance against Chelsea. One man in the match. And it got me winking, thinking now, is he first choice centre back? You don't want to hear my answer. Because I've been telling you for weeks, for months on end, that Eric Dyer is the first name on the team sheet. Ahead of Harry Kane. He is Mourinho's go-to. This is a man that took a toilet break halfway through a game. This is a man that climbed into the stands. This is a man that had to face four-game ban for climbing into the stands and still got back in the side when we were winning. This is his club. This is Eric Dyer. He's pseudo-captain. He is number one. He is the number one voice. He is number one centre-half. So do you think if we sign a new centre-back like we're trying to, Someone who yeah. has got great leadership and stuff. Does that mean that that person's coming in to partner um, Dyer? Or are we looking at someone who could look? Physical ability, athleticism, Sanchez has got him on toast. I don't think reading yep. the game is that much better, if I'm honest. So if we sign someone now, surely we should be trying to find someone who can play on the left side of the, of, of the centre-back pairing. Otherwise, yep. it still means that Dyer's like untouchable. Yeah, so I know where you're going with it, and I'm playing a little bit 
uh, I like you, if you analyze Dyer's performances, there are a lot of good to be had and there's some bad as well. So yeah, if we sign the center back, you're probably looking for a left footed center back that will give us that balance. Um, surely Davies is not transitioning into that um, role in a two. So I think we need that, but it depends if they've got a little bit of pace, maybe Dyer plays on the right and that, that defender plays on the left. But that said, is Dyer good enough to be our first choice centre back? I would say no, not yet, if I'm honest. Given the fact that if you look at some of the goals we've conceded this season, he I'm not forget the penalty. The penalty's not his fault. Um it's Andy Carroll. I think he's done enough considering he got pushed. But the goal against Everton, he was at fault. Calvert Lewin. He didn't even jump. Yep. Heads it in. He's supposed to be dominant in the air. He got beaten there. The goal against um, Southampton, Danny Ings, the ball drops over his head. So this is the thing with me and Eric Dyer, or myself and Eric Dyer. I don't think he senses danger at all, well, all of the time. Ball shouldn't be dropping over your shoulder and you being non-aware of the fact that you've got a hot goal-scoring, buzzing Danny Ings in and around you. That shouldn't happen. Um, so for me... There is a lot for him to do to convince me he's going to be a number one centre-back and international centre-back. But people seem to like him. What I will say about Eric Dyer, though, his distribution is getting better. And what he's doing more so than any other centre-back we've had since Jan is bringing the ball out and forcing the issue. And he's looking comfortable whilst doing so. And he's dubs tells well with Hoybier, who's clever enough to just drop back and cover for him. So you're saying like the, the budding the budding partnership is why he's you're comfortable with him being there? Like if you if we now could sign someone to replace him and then goes into a back four with Sanchez, are you happy with that? He's not my number one. I've never said he's my number one. I don't think he's good enough to be number one just yet. What I'm saying is there are some good and there are some bad. So, does he deserve to be number one on talent alone? No. Why is he number one? He's number one, as I've touched on before, because he speaks the language, the native tongue of Jose Mourinho. He's gritty. He's a battler. He's a talker. Um, He exerts leadership skills and great mentality. And these are the things that Mourinho values highly, more so over some technical ability, as we've seen. Yeah. With players like Pogba, with Delhi at the moment, with Dombele last season. So these values, Lamella, people were screaming, um, screaming for Lamella to be taken off last night and for him not to see another Spurs match ever again. But he values the fact that Lamella made himself available at many occasions last season whilst being injured. So it's the attributes that Mourinho holds dearly that allow Dyer to be number one. And as I've touched on, if other players like a Pogba went into the stands whilst he was at Man United and Jose was manager, do you think Jose would be speaking about him? Sorry, Jose would be speaking about him so, um, I don't know, passively about it's his brother and his family? Or would he be ripping him to shreds? Yes, that's that's it. That's very, that's a very good point. I think it's, <clears throat> yeah, I think his his this connection. I guess I, I want to see how 
how deep it goes and how impenetrable it is. Because whilst those could be used to justify why he's currently starting, at one point you've just got to look at it and be like, is someone good enough? But um, yeah, I mean, we've spoken a lot about about um, about our friend Eric there. Um, but yeah, look, credit where credit is due. Like he, when he's been good, he's good. I just don't think he's our starting centre back and should be our leader. But we'll see what happens when the transfer window closes on Monday because we're still being linked with a couple of centre backs. Um, and I would definitely, or the one, the names that we've been linked in, I would de- linked with, I'd definitely entertain, a hundred percent. So I'm looking forward to see what yeah. comes out there. Um, one thing that has been obviously been uh, spoken about a lot is the future of Deli Ali. Uh, he's been left out of a few matchday squads now. Um, Mourinho has given his typical like evasive answers about how you can't have everyone on the pitch. But if you look at it, the other game where Sissoko was ill, so was not participating. And at the last minute, Jetson was brought in for Sissoko instead of Ali. Now, Delhi has, I think, and I think you agree, the attributes to continue to produce or at least make telling contributions to the side. He's someone who signed with us till 2024. So he, if even if nothing other than legally, he is part of our plans. Jetson has not done anything in his loan period, and I don't think he's going to do anything in his loan period that will suggest that we trigger the clause and sign him for 50 mil. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Take something special. So if he's not going to be that guy, then look, Mourinho has forgotten more about football than I'll ever know. So if he's forgotten, if, he, if he's decided that Jetson is not going to be that guy, which he obviously isn't going to be that guy, why are you still putting him in ahead of Ali? Like, what's happened? Do you see what I mean? If, he, if it's something where he's not training well or whatever, say he's not training well. Say he's not at the level you want him to be. Say you wanted to push up. Like, do that. Because when Ndombele wasn't at those levels, you had no problem calling it out. With Ali, you're making excuses. You're not putting him in the side. You're dancing around it. Like, have we seen the last of Dele Ali at Tottenham? And is it the right time to say bye to him and what he's done? So my hot take is yes, we have seen the last of Deli Ali at Tottenham. I say that because the game yesterday, if Delhi can't get into that matchday squad, if fit and not being linked with somebody seriously or in talks with another club, then there is no excuse under the sun when we have three games in five days that Deli Ali cannot make an 18. He did not make the 18. That for me tells me everything I need to know about where that current relationship is. This is not psychological warfare. Psychological warfare was last week when he dropped him from the match day squad against Southampton, but then brought him back in for the game in Europe. Obviously, he would have played in the late Orient game, we're assuming. He brought him back in. So that's almost like, pull your socks up, you're playing the other game. Not the main game, you're playing the other game. And he didn't play so well. Something's happened after that. He got hooked to half-time. Delhi's frustrated. Delhi's challenged the manager, in my eyes. He's challenged him. Mourinho does not like to be challenged. 
right? Delhi's probably been rattled. He can probably see the writing on the wall. He can see that there's no 10 position. Now you've brought Bale in. You're playing 4-3-3. That's a given. Dombele is more advanced in that midfield role than Delhi is at this moment in time. He can see the writing on the wall. He wants the opportunities to play 10 or the opportunity to play second striker. And he probably won't get it. So for me, this is why I see it being the end of Deli Ali at Spurs. Marino doesn't want a big squad and he doesn't want drama. Surely, I just, I don't know, that we've been through this with Marino before, but I just feel that this need to make examples of people like your coach, your manager, your job is to get the best out of players you have. It's a lot easier to be a success anyway if you get the best out of the best players you have. So if he's not performing, get him to a level where he's performing. Because a performing Dele Alli is better than than a a half performing Jetson. Like that's that's a no brainer. Don't pick on Jetson because I don't think Jetson is in the fray. Really. So I think if you look at the midfield free, if we're going to play free in midfield, just starting free, the dream lineup is Hoybier, Dombele, Lo Celso. All right? I say dream. Online, you personally, when you're talking about a free right now, they're the free you're choosing. Yeah. Agreed? 100%. So, fine. So if those are the three you choose, then after that, who fills in? Who covers? Well, we know Harry Winks because he's starting at the moment. Sissoko's never too far from it. Then to complete the third option, it's going to be Delhi. Is he happy with that? He's not going to be happy with that. There's going to be very few chances for him to play 10. And I think Mourinho knows that. I think he settled on a 4-3-3. And he's probably thinking... I can help myself by getting some transfer funds in here. He's a bad trainer, as we've seen. He's challenged me, my theory. And do you know what? He's a bit spoiled. So it's funny Let's move him out. I don't want a big squad. Sorry, one second. I don't want a big squad. Let's create harmony. Let's go with what we've got. I'll stick with my 16 to 18 players. And I can do about Delhi. I just, I just, you know, like the the logic suggests that yeah, it can be like that, but I just don't think it has to be. I just don't think it has to be. And I just think that it, as a manager, why would you want to invite that kind of system or that way of playing? I just think it's, I, I think it's rudimentary to do it based on that. But you know, like I said, Mourinho has one trophy that every club he's been to, but he's also kind of damaged some relationships and has scorched off. So. It's just interesting to see where this is going to go. I would hate for him to come back in the form and then end up somewhere, I don't know, like PSG killing there. And we're like, we had someone of that quality of that caliber and just due to our inability to manage him psychologically and get him to a place where he's wanting to run through walls. That's your job as a manager at the end of the day. He's done it then, so maybe he can do it. If he wants to do it, Ali, he will. But that's, that's, right. that's up to Mourinho. Humor me. Humor me on this point, right? This is your dream lineup. I know this is your dream Spurs lineup. And correct me if I'm wrong. Lloris, Doherty, Sanchez, Toby, Regulon, Hoybier, Dombele, Lo Celso, Bell, Kane, Son. Yeah? Yeah. Pick your seven on the bench. 
I'm picking Gazaniga. Yep. I'm picking Davis. Dyer, I'll pick him for you. I'm picking Tanganga. Four. Tanganga. Tanganga five. Um, yeah, Winks. Yeah, Winks. Bergwine. Um, actually, no, drop Winks. Bring in Sissoko. Um, Bergwine. Ali Lamella. That's eight. How many did I get? Nine. Seven. Seven. Seven this season. I'll, yeah. I'll drop. I'll drop um, Sissoko. Bring in Lamella. And still have Delhi. Yeah. He just made your bench. Yeah, was he just that made, you were doing you know, it from... No, no. And do you know why, though? Like, think about it. Like, I've got functional defenders. I've got goalkeeper necessary. Functional defenders. Like, multifunctional defenders. Davies can play centre-back if you need him to in a back three. Or you can play out wide. Right? Um, and then my midfield... The reason I've included Lamella over Winks or Sosoko is because despite the fact that he doesn't have the athleticism of Sissoko, his shithousery, his eye for his eye for his pass, his tenacity in going forward and going back means that he can cover any of those roles if I really need him to. And then the reason I put Delhi in there is because he's the only person in our team who can produce something out of nothing. He's the only person in our team who doesn't actually need a full game to make an impact. Like every bench in the ideal world should have someone who just throws something magic. Every team should want that. Look, Guti, I've used this example before, but Guti... I was going to say, you're back on Guti. Yeah, Guti has never has, like, <laughs> played like 90 minutes like twice in his life. <laughs> like, But when, when he needs something magic, he comes on and he does that. Ali is not always going to be wanted, want to be that role. He's not. But if that's how he gets back into the team, then cool. Because he offers something that no one else does. That's why he's got to where he is. And it's like, people are like, oh, he's a, he's a bad trainer. But he didn't play for Tottenham and scored 20 goals in a season because he's a great trainer. That's not why. It was his way or his intelligent use of space, his ability to finish, his touch, that kind of stuff. If he was good for you at the beginning of the season, are you telling me he was shit at the beginning of the season but he was bang, banging in goals for you after you had that conversation and then suddenly he just decided he doesn't want to bang in goals anymore? Doesn't make sense. I mean, he got season. injured. Yeah last, yeah, last season he got injured. He got injured. He came back to the fray. As a manager, don't you see what he's capable of? He's called a big yeah. game. Yeah, him. no, he does. Restore him to that, that, that level of quality. That's all I'm saying. But maybe the injuries are taking the toll. But what I'm going to say to you, I'm going to leave it there, mostly. But what I'm going to say to you is, Kovner, you didn't put Lucas on your bench, right? And in addition to I that... Uh, every, no regrets. That's fine. Yeah. Everybody's been calling for a striker. So I'm going to revisit this next week cool. when the transfer window closes and we get that striker. Yeah. And we're going to see if Deli still makes your bench. All right, that's fair enough. Club. That's fair enough. Yeah, that's fair enough. We can do that. We can do that. And as always, I'll give you an honest assessment. Um, we have to get into Chelsea. Um, yes. And I think that there, you know, there are things to get into about the game. Probably not as much as it, as it initially feels because, first of all, we won a penalty shootout against Chelsea, which is like a mad madness in itself. In a cup competition, it's just strange. But we did it. There were a couple of things that stood out for me. Um, one was the complete change, not of formation, but of approach in the second half. 
right? So he went from having what felt like wing-backs in a back five to having attacking wing-backs with a back five. And it made such a significant difference. Like, Ore and Regulon both, it's like the shackles are off. And Chelsea didn't know what to do. They were pinned back. If you have that in your locker, why do you wait to go 1-0 down? And when you come in the half-time, when you're played at home before you throw that card? My first question. Second question, we then decided to keep the ball. Keeping the ball, the players we have, is where the impact came, right? So, I thought Nobele was good when uh, when we had when we kept the ball. He was making things Again. happen. Again, good touches. In and around the box, pushing the pace, trying to find gaps and holes. Uh, giving them something to think about. So, that was a positive. Lamella, whilst frustrating, he proved why he's so valuable. Lamella is actually everything you want in a squad player. He's the perfect squad player. Doesn't complain, doesn't bitch. Comes in with the right attitude to fight. He just wants to win. If he has to run all the way back and make a last sliding tackle, he'll do that. If he needs to be up at the other end and play a, a, a ball through the eye of the needle, he'll do that. He, his performances, I think, are going to be key for the rest of the season. I said, it might sound like a wild statement, but I think they're going to be absolutely essential. Because in games... There's wildness, going, people. There's, there's, in the games that are going to be decided by a hair's breadth, he's going to be very, very important. And then the final thing, I think it feels like Bergwijn's maybe lacking a little bit of confidence at the moment. Which I find a little yeah. bit concerning. So yeah, those are my four points. Uh, let's touch on your first point. Let's see if I can remember them all. Your first point. So I think that was tactical. I saw this when Leicester came to, uh, was it Wembley or were we at White Hart Lane? Well, uh, no, we were at White Hart Lane. Uh, I think it was in their championship season. It was in their championship season. And they came and Fuchs and who played on the right at the time? I can't ever recall. That's embarrassing. But whoever their right back was in their championship winning side, it will come back to me. They sat Was back. that Fuchs? No, Fuchs is left. He's and left, then... he's left, yeah. Oh, right back, right back. He's uh, right back, right back. Oh, it was Simpson. Simpson. Simpson, yeah, yeah, from Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Um, Danny Simpson. Yeah, so what they did, they literally sat back. They played a four, but they literally sat back. We dominated the first 20 minutes, the first exchange. And all of a sudden, it was like Ranieri just flicked a switch. And what happened was those two just bombed forward. They got the goal, I think it was Hoof, and then they retreated. And then we had to try and break them down. And we didn't, and they ended up winning 1-0. My point is, we had or have three games in five days, right? So it's four games in eight days in total, overall. Mourinho kept on bitching about the fact that he doesn't have a squad and he's going to have to give up on the Carabao Cup. He actually manipulated everybody's mindset in the fact that we weren't going for it. Picks a weakened side, which he suspect, we suspected he would do, but not too weak, but weak enough. He keeps the big guns on the bench, which is almost like another kind of strange thing because you think he's going to leave Kane at home. But that was a tactic. So what he wanted to do, I believe, is to play a 45-minute match to preserve legs. And by playing a back five, because that's what it was, with the fullbacks not going forward, 
it meant that Chelsea had to come and break us down. And if you really look at the first half and analyse it, how many clear-cut chances did Chelsea have? They scored from a mistake, and they got another chance from a mistake when Tanganga tried to control the ball. Well, I'm not mad at because that was his first 45 minutes or 60 minutes of action all season. But they didn't tear us apart. Yes, they had territory. Yes, they had possession. Yes, they looked dominant. But when you really look at it, were they that dominant? I don't think so. I think the only time Aurier didn't go forward at all, we saw Regulon go forward. And the reason Regulon made his mistake is because the game he played, A, it was his debut, and B, it wasn't natural for him to sit back. You saw when he went forward and lost the ball, there wasn't, he, he hesitated because there was nobody to pass to. And he was like, uh, uh, lost the ball, then tried to win it back, created the space for Aspiricueta, who's never left anybody for dead in his whole entire life. Yeah. And then they scored a goal. Second half, click the switch. We're going to make this a 45-minute game. It's like the four, fourth quarter in the NBA, Kovna. You could appreciate that. Yeah. Turn it up. Heat culture. Turn it up. can't believe I just said that. Um, culture, mate. <laughs> heat culture. And turned it up, and they didn't know what to do. Flying fullbacks, Dombele, Hoybier, everybody was just, we turned it up, brought on Kane, and that is what he did. Got the goal. And we clearly um, practiced penalties because everybody knew what they were doing. People redeemed themselves. Lucas, Lamella, Dyer, players who missed penalties in previous shootouts all redeemed themselves. So there was a plan. Jose was smiling throughout the penalty kicks all the way through. He was bantering with Lampard getting in his head. And yeah, it wasn't it wasn't quite a Mourinho masterclass because we should have won it in normal time, but it was close and got a lot of time for that. What were your other questions, my friend? So my question also was around whether we think Bergwijn is like looking a bit off the boil, timid. He looks injured to me. He okay. looks injured. He looks like he hasn't got his burst. But I've not heard anything from the physio room that he is injured. Um, I haven't asked a specific question, but to me, he looks a bit sluggish. There are times where I expect him to burst. I think there was an opportunity for him to burst one-on-one with Tomori, and he came out second best. And I would expect him over five, ten yards to get the other side of his defender. And he's not doing that, and I think he's lacking in confidence um, quite a bit. And maybe the fact that he was injured when he came after performance great and then realizing that he can't oust Lucas and on top of that to somebody called Gareth Bell coming back and he's going to struggle to get in the side so I think he feels a bit not feeling the love from the management and lacking a bit of confidence I think I think the way you made an interesting point about playing players in behind and Harry Kane doing that and you've mentioned in the past about how he's done that effectively for England as well this is Bergwijn doesn't like to run it behind. He likes the ball at his feet. He's like, yeah. he's like a more effective Lucas. Lucas likes the ball at his feet, but he doesn't know what to do with it once he's <laughs> run like you know a few meters. Whereas Bergwijn always seemed to have an idea, but he wasn't doing that yesterday, and that was the problem for me. Like Bergwijn's he, a bit safe sometimes, though. Yeah, but I, I think when he first came, he wasn't that safe. He was going for it. No, he was going for it. Yeah, and I don't know what's happened. I think because Lucas has won the position. He has won the battle because, as we've touched on, he's a defensive winger. I think Bergwijn feels like he has to be more like that in order to get into the side. I don't know. 
Mm. It does seem odd. He seems to have lost the spark. Definitely. Hopefully he's a form thing and it kind of comes out, but yeah. He, he needs so to... he wasn't in great form, though, when he scored that goal against Man United, I will add. So he's been off the ball for a bit, but he still produced that moment of magic. Mm. He likes to exploit the space when it's there. He doesn't necessarily commit his man as often as I think he should do. I just think that he has the, he has the trickery and the potency to put someone on their back foot like straight away and he just doesn't always do that. And I'm hoping he just comes back to him. But I wanna see that. I also I also wanna see I wanna see Tanganga make more of a case for being in that back three because I think that back three, um like Regulon like how did that's the other that's the final question about Regulon basically. Um about him him making an impact and whether you see long term like how you see us playing because surely if he's in the side the three four three makes sense. But if we want Nombele to play, we want the Celso to play and we want Hoiberg to play, we need to play a four three three with attacking with 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 full back two aren't afraid to get forward. And I don't think that's any problem. I think people look at it and they're like, oh well if you play four three three you can't really have wing backs. It's like when the four three three was at its best for a lot of clubs around the world, Bayern Munich four three three um, had um, now it's Alaba and uh, um, and Davies, but before like Lam, those guys are all get they're all getting forward. It was four three three when Barcelona were doing it, and they had Alves and uh, Alves and Adriano. They were like flooding, flooding forward. This idea that we can't have swashbuckling. Um, fullbacks if we don't play three at the back I think it's wrong I think we're going to see a lot wrong. more I think we're going to see a lot more regular on that. and I think allowing him to make those mistakes and use athleticism and pace to recover is going to be a fundamental part of his success Regulon is a superstar right a superstar. Regulon is going to rip it up let's make no mistake about that and let's make no mistake about this either if he plays, we've only got two other options at right back. They're <laughs> both attacking fullbacks in Doherty and Aurier. Don't get me wrong, they both can sit back. We've seen that in recent games. But their natural instinct is to go forward. Now, if we play 4 3 3, ultimately on the pitch, I see it working more like a 3 4 1 2. Here's for why Dream lineup. Already touched on it. Forget the centre-backs. It doesn't matter if they're Dyer, Toby, Sanchez, Tanganga, which combination. What matters is the full-backs. As we said, Regulon, Doherty or Aurier are going to bomb forward. Now, of old, when we played this and we had Rose and Walker, what happened? You had your DM or two in your base, one dropping into a three. We've already seen Hoybier can do that. Hoybier played centre-back when um, Dyer went to the toilet last night. Hoybier will naturally drop back and cover. He's clever, he's astute, yep. he's a winner. That's what's going to happen. In addition, Kane, as we've touched on, will drop into that one. Because we've got flying fullbacks, that means the attacking wide players, Son and Bell, will invert. They both will invert anyway because they're inverted wingers. Bale on the right with his left foot, Sonny on the left with his right foot. So they will play more like Salah and Mane as more forwards with Kane doing the Firmino and then your Regulon 
and your Doherty making up your wide midfielders and your overlapping um, players on the flanks. And that's how we will play. That's the only way it's going to work. And the key man in that mix is Hoybier. That's a, that's a very, very important point. I think we also it also makes me concerned, though, is that we could end up being over-reliant on him. And if we don't get someone who can do what he does, I'm surprised there's no one in our in our youth setup who can do what he does. Like, I need someone to learn from him because if at one time he's injured or whatever, we then can't play the way we want to play, that's going to be sickening. Yeah, definitely. And I have often thought about that's the one thing I've been thinking about with our dream lineup. Um, we haven't really got Don Bele. To be fair, we haven't got really got any of replacements for either of those three. Not ready-made, mm. but that is the way, right? I think you've got to establish what you want to do, the way you want to play, and then mould your players, um, your youth team, in that way. This is where the director of football comes in that we touched on before. And then you have a succession plan and you start developing players and recruiting players to match those needs, right? That's obviously what we've got to do. But you're right. In the way that we've got it now, I think we've got Hoybier is the only one who can do what he does. Those other two midfielders are the only ones that can do what they do. Um, Lo Celso and ball carrying um, Don Pelé in his blatant incisive passing quick feet and audacious ability Um, the only three but Winks Sissoko can give you something maybe a little bit but Hoybier is the one and Hoybier was the one Dyer was the one before him and Wanyama was the one oh sorry before Hoybier and obviously Dyer before Wanyama that is the tricky one because Winks can't drop into a back three. Sissoko can't do it. So who is going to do it? Harvey White is probably the only one, and I'm not sure he can do it from the youth team. Well, uh, let's let's hope he doesn't have to. But if he if, if they need to blood him in, then this is the time to do it. And bearing in mind, Hoybier is playing with ruptured ligaments right now. Yeah, which is so mad. He's a machine. So so mad. He's an absolute machine and he played two games and it swells up directly after every game. I know that used to happen to Lady King's knee, but right now he's a machine. So maybe he plays every single game and we don't have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. But no, spe- speaking of superhuman people, like literally that's what we're saying he is at the moment. Speaking of superhuman people, like just a random question. Who do you think stronger out of, um, Adame Traore and Akin Fenwa. I think Akin Fenwa is stronger, but I think Traore's got a better core. So if we're gonna if we're gonna be doing if, if we're talking about football, uh, I think the strength is going to serve Traore better. Okay, but I think you're stronger than both of those. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? You're probably right. <laughs> they, neither of them want to come against me on a Tuesday night. They, they don't want it. They don't want it. No, I wouldn't even think about Tuesday night. I think you've got the strongest back and shoulders I've known. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want it with me, mate. They don't want it with me. Yeah, yeah you are like supporting a whole league. You're still supporting a whole league. Do you know that? Listen, yeah. <laughs> listen, and listen carefully. Listen carefully. I've got a couple of tweets to make to that team, yeah? And then it's a wrap for yeah. all of you. It's a wrap for all of you. You know, I should be happy. What? You should be happy. Enjoy your time in the sun. Every dog has his day, bruv. Every dog has his day. 
these broad shoulders will carry this league until it's time to <laughs> rise up, just wake and sleep in giant, and it's finished for you guys. But it's cool, though. Keep making your digs. Keep making your digs. <laughs> Sound like an Aston Villa fan. Oh, wow, wow. That's too far. <laughs> That's too far. Well, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say shout out to um, Amit Ergen and Kedalio FK, still top of the league. Um, but big shouts out to Lero B. OG Hackney had an amazing week. I think they top scored with weekly score and they're up to second. Um, I won't mention any of the bottom teams, but yeah. That's oh, that, now, you don't, now you don't mention? Okay, cool. cool. No, I was hey, just no, listen, saying. Listen, whatever, you said you said enough. You said enough. We need listen. to get out of here anyway, right? <laughs> I just want to shout in the new city I saw this week. is clear water in the United States, so shouts to you. And I'm going to hand over to the man with the broadish shoulders and biggest back in football podcasting world. Shut, shut your face. Um, to our American listeners, thank you for listening, guys, and please make sure you register and vote. There's, um, we can't stress true, enough true. how important it is to exercise your right to vote. And you sure you guys know that whoever's in power in the States impacts not just you guys, but the rest of the world. So please don't mess it up. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening, guys. If you're listening on, on iTunes, please make sure you leave a review. Five stars only because we only give you five star content. Make sure you follow us um, at ShellPod on Twitter. And get involved with the the rants, the bans, the updates, the controversy. Love all that stuff. So do do get involved. Um, yeah, and also just tell someone about the pod, man. Give the gift to the pod. Tell a friend. Tell a friend. Get listening. Let's join. Let's let's join and, and grow the community. But um, those are all my asks for now. Uh, thank you all for listening. It's good night from me. And it's good night from me. Time to run the outro. Side, 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 side